Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, Calvary. It is such an honor to be with you. And uh, uh, some of you I know, and so it's kind of like old friends getting back together. And uh, some of you I don't know. And so um, you can just view me as kind of the distant cousin that you can decide later if you like me or not. But here I am. Needless to say, it has been such a joy to be with you guys this weekend. Um, like Taylor said, that uh, we are pastors over on the other side of the state. So we just uh, move over to Spokane, my wife and I and our kiddos, and uh, we're executive pastors over there in Spokane. And so I like to kind of say it might be the better side of the state, but we'll leave it up. <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, it's great. We enjoy it. Uh, we came out of California not too long ago, and so we feel like we are in the promised land. It's amazing. But um, I have to say this, that this church has been such a significant church to my family, and more importantly, your pastors have been significant people into our family's little world. And um, my mother and father-in-law, you know, I, I married into, uh, you know, into a pastoral family. And so I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I stepped right into it. And so it's, uh, they're pretty amazing. But my mother and father-in-law were pastoring a church in a very small community in Roseburg, Oregon. And uh, there, my mother-in-law, she, uh, you know, gave birth to my wife and, and uh, they were in a season of just some financial hardship and the Armstrongs have always been a family that has stood alongside of, of my extended family, my mother and father-in-law. And at that time that they, like they always do, they stepped right in and uh, my, my mother and father-in-law were unable to pay for all of the medical bills that were surrounding my wife's birth. And so they knew that they could uh, be able to help out. So they stepped in and they paid in full all of those bills 36 years ago. And so when I think of the Armstrongs, they're thought of in our home as heroes. And it's not just because of that one moment, but it's because your pastors have pastored a lot of other pastors. And you may not ever know this, but they have been a significant voice through the Grace International denomination in other areas where they have been a consistent voice of love and care. And uh, you have incredible leaders. And so with that being said, will you join me in just showing honor where honor is due to Pastor Armstrongs? Can you give it up for them? It's been fun to hear. I've been hanging out with Pastor Daniel and, and uh, being able just to hear what God's doing here at Calvary. And uh, Pastor Ray and, and Mary, to be able to be consistent for decades upon decades, that here's a beautiful fruit of what God is doing. And so with that being said, I believe this, that your best days are ahead of you. Hey, church, your best days are ahead of you. There's three of us that are excited. It's okay. I'll be excited for you because I believe this. I was just leaning over to Pastor Daniel. I was like, y'all need to add another service. It's getting full up in here. It's so fun to watch and to be a part of this with you. And um, like I mentioned, my wife and uh, we have uh, four beautiful daughters. And so I'll give you a quick glimpse of our family here. And so this is the Gilbreth crew right here. And so there's, there's my best friend, my wife, that's Christina. And then our oldest, she's eight, that's London Bray. Then our six-year-old, that's Willow Grace. And then our four-year-old, Remy Love, and she can do no wrong. She is my little one that, that just smiles at me. And I'm like, I'll give you the world. And then I've got uh, our two-year-old, and uh, that's Kenzie Joy. 
And uh, joy is kind of a prophetic word over her because she has not figured that out yet. <laughs> but there we are. I'm a girl dad. And, uh, and so I love it. It's all I know, but I love it. There's days I'll just come home and I walk to the door and I'm like, I just start crying. I don't even know why. It's just estrogen's in the air. <laughs> for a year, um, for a year, I, I had my mother-in-law move in with us as well. And I was like, oh, this is a bit much. Yeah, there is, there is six against one here. I'm not sure I'm up for this, but uh, no, it's been amazing. I love it. That's my little crew right there and, uh, and things. So today it's going to be a fun day. Uh, maybe. We'll see. You can, you can vote later. But uh, I love this series that you're in, the Summers in Psalms. And I want to jump right in with you guys. And uh, with that being said, we're going to jump right into Psalms 103. What I want to do with this is uh, utilizing this psalm to be the backdrop, if you will, for where I want to go today in Scripture. And so as we pick it up in verse 2, it would say this. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. I love this scripture because really it's a foreshadowing of, of really what's to come. It's an articulation of the heartbeat of the Father for us as he's getting ready, as he's sending his son, Jesus. This would be hundreds of years before Jesus would even step foot upon the earth. But the idea, the understanding, and almost the prophetic unction of what's to come would be written in this text. As we look at it again, it would say this, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It says, who forgives all of your sins, I know for many of us that we have been a part of church for a while and we recognize that we serve a God that is capable, able, and wanting to forgive us of our sins. But not only does he want to forgive us of our sins, he's also looking to eradicate the guilt that is associated with the sin in our life. You're not meant to walk into this place with this big, heavy cloud over your mind and your heart with guilt and shame. That is not from the Father. Conviction is, but guilt and shame never was. But yet will we recognize that what he did and what is written in as the psalmist would pen this, he says that you can walk in complete freedom. Not only do we experience freedom from our sins, it's the next line that I love. And he says, and he heals all. Turn to your neighbor, say all. Heals all your diseases. All. Not just some, not just the easy ones, not just the ones that we understand or have medication for. He says all. That word heal, it literally means to restore, renew, or to be able to sew back together that which was torn. That's who our heavenly father is. That's what he wants to do. That's what he has in store for us as the church. Not just your church, but the bride of Christ, meaning the, the church across the globe. This is what he's doing, is he continues to not only redeem us from the pit, free us from our sin, but he wants to heal us as well. And the reason why I know this to be true is because my wife and I have had the privilege to watch as God is on the move in a pretty profound way as he is healing bodies, healing minds, restoring marriages, bringing back wayward sons and daughters. We're watching the miraculous hand of God on the move in so many different ways. We were just a part of a youth camp recently and there's a young man that came in there, had a torn ACL. He had a, a knee brace on. He's on crutches. And it was in the middle of worship. 
that God chose to touch his body. Nobody was preaching. Nobody was praying for him. He was just in that moment. He felt this warm sensation happening on his knee. He sits down in the middle of service. He doesn't know what's going on. Begins to unbuckle his knee brace and he starts to see that the swelling is reducing and that which he was unable to move, he's now able to move it. And by the end of the service, he comes up to us holding his knee brace with no crutches. He goes, I think God healed me. We're like, praise God, I think he did too. Why, that's who our God is. We just recently, a couple months ago, we're in a service just like this. My wife was leading worship. She stops everything and she says, I feel like God wants to heal somebody that's having inner ear pain. There's a gentleman kind of right in the middle and he's like, ah, that's me. For so many years, he's been dealing with this internal like inner ear problem that was causing nausea and dizziness and, and it was uh, uh, reducing the quality of his life. In the middle of our service, there was some random person sitting next to him that gently put their hand upon him. We prayed for him and miraculously in the mix of the service, he was healed. Just yesterday, we got a call from one of our key leaders in our church and, and we were doing, we're launching our young adults ministry out of our house. And while we were there, we were praying over this married couple. They've been trying to have children for quite a while and they've been unable to. The doctors have told them that, that she was unable to be able to have kids. She had this thing called endometriosis and there's a litany of other issues that were going on in her physical body. They were devastated by the news, but yet we still continue to stand alongside of them, holding on to the promises of this scripture and we began to pray. As we began to call out upon God and we're asking for a miracle, just yesterday, we get the call from her and she FaceTimes my wife. She doesn't say anything. She's just weeping on the phone. She's holding up a pregnancy test and it says pregnant. This is who our God is and this is what he's wanting to do. He is on the move in and amongst churches. He's beginning to restore minds. He's beginning to renew hearts. When we read these words, they're not just things that are written upon the pages. It's the breath of God that is going forth into the body of Christ. It's the real pneuma, the word that is continuing to go forth. It's the spirit of God that resides on the inside of you that are believers. We want to awaken the faith of what he wants to do in many of us today. I share these stories because I want to stir inside of us that he's not done working in and amongst your life and my life. This is just the beginning. So buckle up. This is going to be a fun ride today. Here's what I know that as we look at the scripture and it says that he heals all of our diseases and he redeems your life from the pit. Recently, we took this family out from our church and we we're getting to know them and, and uh, we're sitting there. They only had one kid. We had the four. We were definitely birth control for them. We're like, it's great, do it guys, have another for sure. We're seeing the chaos. <laughs> but we're there, we get at the end of the meal and I go to pay for the meal and I realize I forgot my wallet and I was like, oh no. And then I look into my wallet, I was like, babe, can I get your, your wallet? And she goes, I forgot my diaper bag. It's like, she's like, it's the only three out of the four kids actually have shoes on. And she's like, I don't carry these things. And, and so we're there and, and I'm like, hey, do you do Apple Pay? And they're like, no, sir, we don't. I was like, oh, okay, there's this new technology. You should probably get on that. So I'm like looking at this couple that we invited out to dinner and they're like, oh, we got it. I'm like, I am so sorry. I promise you I did not plan this. And so we're there and of course they picked up the bill and, and we're so appreciative. And, and so I didn't argue with them along. I'm like, sure, you can pay for the six of us and if I don't have to, that's great. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't go home and grab my wallet and come back and pay for it again. I didn't go and, and pay for the bill that was already paid for in full. Here's the same thing that we gotta recognize of what Jesus has done for you and for me. This might be all brand new to you as you're 
joining Calvary and you're like, I don't know who this Jesus guy is, but I'm kind of liking it. Here's what I want to begin and to remind you, because this has got to be an understanding as a backstop for where we're going today. What Jesus did upon the cross is he paid a price that you never could pay. A price that you never had the ability to pay, but he paid it in full. So let me just encourage you with this. Don't try to pay for something that he's already paid for. You get a walk in the freedom and the hope of what the cross represents for you in your life. Today, we get to live in freedom. Sin maybe has had a grip upon your life and upon your heart. Today is a day of freedom. Sickness might be plaguing your body or your home. Let me encourage you. Healing's coming into your reality today. I don't know where you might be, but what I do know is I serve a big God that wants to come in and restore and renew and bring about a transformation in your world. And that's exactly what he's going to do. As we take this and we're gonna jump into our scripture today in Matthew chapter 14, as this is the backstop, bless you, that was quite the sneeze. Wow, there's a little extra coming out with that one. In Matthew chapter 14, here you have Jesus, he's got his disciples with him. He's the individuals, the bunch of misfit dudes that he picked that are coming alongside of him. And here he is in his active ministry. And what we're finding is we're stepping into the text in this moment is where Jesus is now literally radically changing the landscape of the mentality of people in this time frame. Before they were under this really religious understanding, rules and regulations, he's beginning to just stir everything up and helping them understand it's not gonna be that way anymore. And here he is, he's healing, restoring, miracle signs and wonders are happening. And there's a crowd, as the Bible says that he is withdrawing and going away, there's a crowd that starts to press in around him. And now here's this large crowd of over 5,000 men, the Bible would say, and here we're gonna pick up the text, and this is what it says in verse 14. When Jesus had landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Here's what I love as you get an image of the heartbeat of the Father for us as his kids. He had compassion upon them. Literally, that word means in the original language, compassion means that he was moved in the depths of his bowels. Don't get this wrong, it's not a bowel movement. <laughs> but he's moved at the, to the core of who he was. That when the Bible begins to talk about that he had, he loves you, that in the psalmist, he says he's gonna crown you with love and compassion. We start to see this on display as Jesus is beginning to help us recognize really truly who he is. Not only does he have compassion, but he responds with that compassion to a place of actually bringing about healing. And that's exactly what he wants to do for us as well. The disciples are there and they're watching him as he's teaching and they come up to Jesus and they begin to tell him, they're like, hey, it's getting late. Like people are getting hungry. They're gonna start getting a little hangry. Like we might want to feed them. And Jesus goes, he goes, no, no, no. He's like, don't send them away. He goes, you feed them. And the disciples are like, we got like a few Lunchables here. And this is like 5,000 dudes. Like, how are we supposed to feed them? So they had five loaves and two fishes and they would bring it to him. And this is what Jesus does. He grabs the food, he breaks the bread and he blesses the meal. The disciples take it as they sit everybody down. They begin to feed. The Bible says it'd be 5,000 men, which would probably be over 20,000 people with men, women, and children with just a few morsels. The disciples are watching a miracle happen in front of their eyes, where this food just continues to be distributed. 
Then what I want to do is we're going to take it now to the next portion of the day. What happened in the mix of literally like 16 hour window, the disciples were watching what Jesus was doing. And then we're going to pick up the text here in the latter part of Matthew 14. And it says this in verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and to go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Then we see here in Matthew 14, 27, he says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. What is happening is that you see the disciples had just experienced and watched this miraculous move of, of Jesus and what he was doing. Then they get pushed into the boat and Jesus said he pushed them out into the water to send them out. The wind and the waves began to pick up and as many of us know this story and we've looked at this several times, but, but it began to threaten the boat in another uh, portion of the text would say this, like it was a massive storm that fear was coming into the hearts of the disciples. They were completely afraid for what was happening, what's going on. Isn't it crazy that within just a short amount of time that you would go from this mountaintop area of great faith and great belief of who, what Jesus can do, and then the moment the wind and the waves come, it's the, oh my gosh, what is happening? Have you been there before? Like I know for myself, like I wake up early in the morning before all my family does and I get my coffee and, and it's like, today's gonna be a good day. Like I love my dad, God, you're so good. And then I hear the creaking of a door and little feet starting to walk down. I'm like, oh God, it's happening again. They're awake. <laughs> but it's the same way that we navigate life though. We're like, oh God, you're so good. But yet you get into the storm. And you start to wonder, God, where are you? What's happening? What's going on? The disciples, they watched this where he had miraculous provision to this place of the storm in the same day. To where Jesus can provide to this place. It's a ghost. Like there's this vacillation of just a short amount of time. But here's what I love what Jesus does is he steps into this moment and he looks at the disciples and he begins to speak to them directly. And he would say to them, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. I don't know about you, but I know for me that there's been many storms in life that we have had to navigate and walk through. Storms of varying shapes and sizes, storms of varying winds and waves, storms in our marriage, storms in our family, storms of loss and disappointment, storms of hurt and betrayal, storms of sickness and financial hardship on this side of heaven, I recognize that there are going to be some hardships and there's going to be some difficulties. Here's what you have to know at the core of this understanding and the core of our theology is has to stand upon this footing to know that our God is good. We serve a good God, amen? 
I know even though there's times we don't believe it, but I wanna just declare it for you because the wind and the waves can get so large and we wonder, God, where are you? Even though we just watched hours before that you perform miracles, signs and wonder, but yet the wind and the waves are coming and you're wondering to yourself, oh God, where are you? Here's what I wanna just say to you, take courage. It's available. He would say to the disciples, he says, don't be afraid, take courage. Courage literally is this, it's an absence of fear. Courage for, to recognize is a decision, not an emotion. Courage is an attitude, it's not a feeling. It's a determination of beginning to recognize that I will not allow fear to be the navigator of the storm that I am now walking through. My four-year-old, just a few days ago, that she was, you know, we put her to bed and, and dude, that's like the biggest chore of my life. Last night was so great. I went to bed and I didn't have to put any of them down. I was like, this is amazing vacation. Thank you, Calvary. <laughs> but we were putting my four-year-old down a couple days ago and, and, uh, and it's like round three, like getting her back on the bed. Um, and we get her back down and I go back downstairs. And it's like the time that my wife and I can like be together and hang out and, and, uh, and I hear this like blood curdling scream. I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's like bleeding. It's like that scream, you know that as parents, it's like, oh, it shifts from being like the anointing whining you know, cry to like the, oh goodness, yep, something happened. So I'm expecting to come into the room and there being like a pool of blood or something happening. And, and so I rush upstairs and she's like crying and screaming and, and I get into the room and, and I'm like, Remy girl, what's wrong? And, and she's like doing that, that deep cry thing where it's like, <sighs> and you can't understand. And I'm like, okay, deep breaths, you're good, it's all right. And I'm like, what's wrong, are you hurt? And she's like, no. She's like, I got a hair in my mouth. Data girls. Oh, interesting. So we went and got that culprit out of the mouth there and uh, okay, time to sleep. But her response was so big and so out of control. And, and as our little ones, that their feelings oftentimes navigate their trajectory. It's whatever they feel is gonna be how it is. Oh, life is terrible. And so we have to help them understand like, hey, you cannot be led by your feelings. I have to tell all five of them, not just the four girls. But here's the reality though, is our feelings oftentimes will dictate us in the mix of the storm. And I love when Jesus steps into this world and he says, don't be afraid. He speaks to the core thing that he knew that they were navigating. And many of us here today, it's the same reality. Don't be afraid, take courage. Why? I am here. It's a reminder for us, church, that I don't know what you're facing or what you will be facing, but it may be a reminder that your God is with you in the middle of the storm, on the other side of the storm. He is a God that wants to meet you in the mix of the mess. He is not the one that causes it. Hear me on this. It is not his reality that he would come in and cause these things, things to happen. But on this side of heaven, when sin still exists, it's sometimes the byproduct of a broken world in which we live in. But yet he wants to step into the mix of our mess and in our storms and stand right in the middle of it and says, take courage. It's available. We see in this, in this story 
where Peter begins to be stirred. And, and I'm reminded of this because I, I remember when I was a youth pastor up in Everett, Washington, Hayden would remember this. She was one of our students up there. And, and uh, when we were hanging out, we'd have this ministry where it's a food distribution at our church. And we had a lot of homeless that were in the area that we would love to, to be able to try to take care of. And a lot of them struggling with mental illness and things. And so we as a church were trying to reach out to them. Well, this gentleman came in and and sometimes when he came, he was great. And sometimes when he came, it was a little different. And so this is one of those moments, it was a little different. And so I, I was like the pastor on call and I go down there and I meet him and, and he comes in and he wants groceries, but he's got a specific thing that he wants. And he's like, I don't want all that other crap. I want peanut butter. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll get you some peanut butter. I get it. I love me some peanut butter as well. And I was like, hey, stay right here. Let me go get you some peanut butter. And so I go around by our gymnasium and on the backside, there's our like commercial kitchen. And then deep into the kitchen is our pantry and that's where we keep all the groceries. Well, I'm walking into there and I'm, I'm deep into the kitchen and all of a sudden the lights go off and the door closes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's in here. <laughs> like he's full on coming after me right now. Like, oh, okay. Oh. And I remember I just like before the lights went off, I remember walking by the dish pit and there was this like large ladle, like this commercial soup ladle thing. And, and I was like feeling for it. I grabbed the massive ladle and I'm there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's in there. I was like, hello? I hear nothing. I was like, oh no, he's going to kill me. I for sure, my mind is going crazy. I'm going to like these, these uh, thoughts of like, this is it for me. I'm done. I'm going to die in the commercial kitchen of Bethany Christian Assembly. You know, this is the end for me. I'm thinking I for sure saw him have a knife. I think he had a knife in his pocket. My mind's going crazy. So I start waving the ladle in the air and just trying to give myself some distance in case he's getting close to me. And I'm like trying to be quiet. And I knew there was this back door that would let out to the dumpsters. And I'm there and I'm shaking, I'm sweating. I'm like, oh my gosh, this can't be it for me. And, and I find the deadbolt, I undo it. I open up the door and I run out all the way around to the front offices. I'm there clutching my ladle and I'm just trying to get to the front office gal. Her name was Kyla. And I bust through the door and I was gonna tell her to call the cops. And, and I'm there and I look at her and I look over and he's still standing there. Oh, okay. She's like, are you okay? I go, I think so. Come to find out, it was our kid's pastor that walked by the kitchen and turned off the lights and shut the door. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing. Our minds have a way of fabricating a reality that does not exist. Then when fear starts to enter into the equation that the byproduct gets a little bit nutty. Hey, here's the reality. You gotta be so careful how much you allow yourself to be dictated by the voice of fear. It was never meant to be a voice that leads us or guides us. It's why we find oftentimes in scripture where Jesus is speaking to that core reality. Do not be afraid, just believe. Do not allow fear to rear up. Begin to trust in the promises of God. And I would say to you this morning as well, take courage. May we begin to not lean into the voice of fear, but the voice of faith. That's exactly what Peter did. He was one of the disciples that was in the boat. Jesus is walking on the water and you can only imagine this scene that here he's coming towards them. Peter pops up and he goes and he's, as Jesus is coming close to him and he shouts out to him, he goes, Jesus, if it's you, call me out to you. This radical faith is stirring inside of him. And Jesus just says to him, come, come, come out here. 
So Peter goes to the edge of the boat. He climbs over the edge, and there he is standing on the water looking at Jesus, literally experiencing a miraculous move of God. It takes some crazy faith. But I think it's exactly what Jesus would speak to us this morning as well. I know that we're walking through some storms and some difficult days. I know that some of us are experiencing storms and we have been for many years. But I think it's the same voice that Jesus would extend to you as well. And he says, come, step out. Step out of the place of fear and now step into a place of faith and watch what I want to do in your life. Step out of this place of the unseen and step out of this and begin to trust me for what I have for you. Because here's what can happen is that the storm that is raging on the outside of our lives all around us does not have to be the storm that gets on the inside of us as well. Hear me on this, and I'm not negating or minimizing what you're facing, but here's what I do know, is that you're able to begin to step into a place of trust relationship with your heavenly Father. And no matter what you're walking through today, that it doesn't have to be the storm that's raging around you, that lives on the inside of you, that there's peace, and there's joy, and there's a resolve, and there's the presence of God that wants to take residency in your heart. That's what he has. Peter's standing there, and as many of us know the story, what he begins to do is he's looking at the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink. And here's the thing that I love about Jesus. It's not that he condemns him and lets him be in this storm. He's like, well, lesson learned to you, buddy. What does he do out of his compassion and love? He reaches out his hand, and he invites Peter back up. And he gets him into the boat. And I'd encourage you today, the third thing we see in this text, that may we be done with doubt. Because I know that there are seasons of our life that we doubt the goodness of God. And I know why. <laughs> when you face some storms in your marriage, when you face storms of health and hardship and difficulty and confusion, when you begin to face these realities and you're wondering, God, where are you? And doubt has a way of coming in and partnering with fear. And you think to yourself, I thought you were good, God. And as we're journeying this faith and this relationship with Jesus, can I just encourage you, do not allow that voice of doubt to come on in. Don't allow that voice of discouragement or fear to continue to be a partnership in which you lean into. And here's what Jesus does is he takes Peter and he brings him back into the boat. As we pick up the text together and as we find at the latter part of this story, we see right here in Matthew 14, verse 32, it says, and then they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshiped him. And they said, truly, you are the son of God. I love it when Jesus steps back into the boat and he calms the wind and the waves and the disciples had an appropriate response. They begin to worship him. Like even you, Jesus, can control the wind and the waves. And they begin to sing of the glory of God and declare of his worthiness. But here's what I wonder. I wonder if it would be something that we can begin to worship God even in the middle of the storm and not just wait until he comes through for us. Because here's what begins to happen. Worship literally is beginning to declare his worth. 
it takes your eyes, your focus, and your attention off of yourself and off of the storm. Peter began to look at the wind and the waves, and I think so oftentimes what we do is we're like my four-year-old, is that we create this massive thing out of something that's so insignificant, and we're talking more about our storm instead of talking more about the faithfulness of our God that we're spending more time lamenting all that has been lost rather than beginning to worship the creator of the universe that is capable of stepping into our storms and calming the winds and the waves. I wonder today, church, if we can begin to step out and begin to declare of his worthiness, even in the mix of hardship. And I'm not about to begin to negate the realities of what you're facing, but I wanna just encourage us that we serve a good God I know even for our family, I've got a younger brother that's 23 years old. We were able to adopt him from, you know, from birth and he had so many different issues as he was a fetal alcohol baby and drug addicted. But my 23 year old brother, he went through some hardships in life, lots of ups and downs and eventually he got himself caught up into drugs. It spun him out of control. My mom tried so hard with different rehabs and facilities and, He's got some mental illness that is mixed into it as well. And here he is. My mom eventually had to kick him out of the house because he attacked her at one point and the police had to get involved. And she said, I just can't do this anymore. So I'll never forget the phone call. My mom's just weeping and she goes, I can't have Pete live here. She goes, my son. She's devastated, doesn't know what to do. So as of today, my brother's still drug addicted on the streets of our hometown in Haver, Montana. I went back for my brother, my other brother's graduation this last year, and I had a chance to go meet my one that was there that was on the streets. My mom was in contact with him. She would give him groceries and she would buy him different things and try to help out the way that she could. But I remember sitting there, we're at this gas station and he met up and um, I sat with him on the curb and I said, Pete, you know I love you, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. He's sitting there in weeks old clothing, smells so bad, looks emaciated, and I'm just sitting there looking, God, how can this be? How is this my brother? Then I looked at him again. And I didn't know if he's fully sober or not, but I looked into his eyes and I said, you know there's a God in heaven that loves you so much, right? And he didn't say anything to me. And I just grabbed his hand and I began just to speak hope and life. And we prayed together and he goes, thanks brother. And I wish I could say to you that he is completely free and completely off the streets, but he's not. But here's what I wanna say to you. It doesn't stop me from worshiping and it doesn't stop me from declaring and it doesn't stop me from having hope for him. It doesn't stop me from contending and for believing. It doesn't stop me from calling upon heaven for God to intervene on his behalf. I share that with you because I know that there's storms in your world that you're wondering, oh God, where are you? How is it that you're gonna come through? Can I just begin to encourage you? Just as Peter stepped up with great faith, he didn't know how he was gonna walk on the water, but yet he stepped out and began to stand on the wind and the waves as well. And here's what I wanna say to us. May we take courage. We no longer are meant to walk by fear, but there's a faith that's gotta stir up inside of us where we grab a hold of what God is wanting to do in and through us. 
Men of this house, can I encourage you with this? I think that God is beginning to stir something inside of the men of this house. I felt it when I came onto this property. It's not negating the women of this church, but I think that there is something that is beginning to stir in the faithfulness of men. Men are grabbing a hold of who their God is, leading their family and their marriages. There's a holiness that's coming to the church again and to the bride of Christ. Men, you're stepping into a place of assignment assignment to begin to lead your families. That's not to browbeat you or put you down, it's to call you up. I believe that God has some of the greatest days ahead for this house and it's gonna be led by some faithful men that says, let's do this. Let's begin to call upon our heavenly father and believe for the supernatural and the miraculous to happen. It's who our God is. I just wanna pray for some in this room today. And I wanna invite the Spirit of God to meet you right where you are. As many of us have very, a lot of needs. And He is so faithful and He's so kind. And so if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes as we create a very public moment to be a very private one. Before we pray for some of you that are walking through storms, I really just sense there's some in this room that you have yet to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I wanna give you a chance to just invite him to be the Lord of your life. It's as simple as believing in him, asking him to forgive you of your sins, just kind of these things that have been separating you from, from the Lord. And just inviting him to be the Lord of your life. If you're here today, you want to rededicate your life to Christ or you want to invite him to be the Lord of your life, I want to invite you just on the count of three just to raise your hand and that's just an indicator to say, you know what, that's me. I want to, I want to do that. I want to take this step. I want to invite him to be the Lord of my life. So if that's you here today, on the count of three, if you just be able to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just put up your hand. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Come on. Can we all pray this prayer out? And may you that are raising your hands make this as a personal prayer for you and you just repeat after me. Come on, all of us repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Please forgive me of my past. Wash me clean. And from this day forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate the 10 to 15 that are saying yes to Jesus? We get excited about this around here. <laughs> Welcome to the family. And I'd invite you that an easy next step in this faith journey, that this is just the beginning. You don't wanna make the best decision of your life and let it stop right here. You need to take the next step. And we'd love to invite you to come out to our hub that's out into our lobby. We have some of our friends that are there that would love to connect with you and help you with that next step. But for the rest of us, I wanna invite us as we stand to our feet and we close out our time together. I know many of us are walking through some storms. The wind is raging, the waves are big. And I just sense there's just such a spirit of discouragement in many of our hearts today. A discouragement of constantly being in this place of pain. 
constantly being in this place of thought this would be different, but it's not. Just discouraged. I wanna pray for some of us in this place. If you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I am walking through a storm and I'm needing God to meet me right in this moment. If you'd be so bold to say, you know what, that's me. I need him. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Yes. 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 If you would just keep your hand up. And church family, I know this might be a little bit foreign, but I just want those that are standing around you that are believers, would you just gently put a hand on their shoulder? Here's what the Bible says, that there's something pretty significant when you begin to just have like a physical touch from somebody else. It's like we're coupling our faith with you. There's something significant in this moment where we're beginning to say, you know what, we're gonna stand with you in the mix of this. And so right now, I just wanna pray. And you as believers, I want you to begin to pray for your brothers and sisters in this house. You may not know what they're walking through, but you know how to pray, so let's begin to do so. Come on, church, let's just pray out for those. Father, I thank you that in this room, that Lord, that you are a good God. And Spirit of God, we just invite you into this place and that you would begin to meet your people right where they are. Some are walking through some of the most discouraging seasons of their life. And they wonder to themselves, how did we get here? How is this even possible? But God, I just pray that may we be reminded of the, of the backstop of the reality of who you are, that you are healer, you are the redeemer, you are the one that was wanting to crown us with love and compassion. And today I pray that your word would go forth into the hearts of your people, that they would encounter and experience the hope that we get to have in you. And we speak to that place of discouragement and we quiet the enemy's voice in the name of Jesus. I speak against fear. Fear has plagued the hearts of believers for far too long. And right now in the name of Jesus, we silence the enemy's ability to begin to have a heyday upon our minds. And Lord, I speak life, hope, joy. We thank you, God, that you're beginning to restore and renew and you're knitting back together those areas that were once torn. We thank you, God, for who you are for what you've done. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said, amen, amen. Come on, can we just celebrate all that God is doing this morning? Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.